0: All right, everyone, welcome to the above average football fan podcast for above average football fans and below average football fans who want to learn more about the game. Or if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, here we are. Season two, episode 14 of the slightly above average football fan podcast. I am here with the man who just got off the phone with Lincoln Riley to find out if he's staying in Norman or if he's traveling down south to Baton Rouge, Mr. Thomas Bowen. Bowen, what would you tell Lincoln to do?
1: Oh, I told Lincoln he better figure out his own worries um, out there in Oklahoma before he worries about jumping ship, especially to a place like LSU where the stakes might not be quite as high as they are in Gainesville, but they're pretty high.
0: Yeah, man, I agree. Um, there are crazy rumors flying around that he's being offered uppers of eight and a half, nine million dollars, even ten a year to go to LSU, um,
1: which is just
0: crazy. Um,
1: it's the arms race that is college football now, and it's gonna as as I heard today on a local show that the bigger these singular contracts are for these people, the the more it's going to inflate the entire market. Absolutely. Well, and you know, somebody point. I think it may have been uh, somebody from
0: around the local media here in Columbia um, talked about Mel Tucker. He just signed a contract. We're going (laughs) to talk about Michigan State uh, today with against Ohio State, but he just signed a major milestone contract, and he's going to his first bowl game ever as a head coach. It's crazy, insane. Insane. What was it? What is it? I think it was 10 years, like 95 million dollars. Yeah. He's pushing nine, he's pushing $10 million a year, going to his first bowl game ever, uh, as a head coach, man. These these contracts are out of control. Um it's just wild. But uh so that I guess that kind of jumped us into what the world early on, but what the world, Texas, you lost oh my gosh. to Kansas.
1: You yeah, lost you, to Kansas. It is It is the – they just lost to, to the Vandy of the Midwest. I mean, Absolutely. Maybe worse.
0: Maybe worse. And I think they might be worse. And then Oklahoma goes out there and lays an egg, speaking of Lincoln Riley's team, getting himself right. And then the team we'll talk a lot about. And, I mean, this is the first time we've actually put them or I've actually put them in the what the world section. But what the world, South Carolina. Like, oh. just – so awful and embarrassing and just horrendously bad just you know it's it's it's
1: as and as bad as it was I mean I think it's also that that Florida win as we saw when Stanford was beating them 52 to 20 at halftime that that was probably a little bit of fool's gold but even still exactly Exactly what we as intimate fans of South Carolina are, exactly what we did not want to happen, happened. And that was our offense reverting back to the pre-Florida offense. We couldn't block anybody. Missouri loaded the box, pinned their ears back, and we couldn't do anything.
0: So funny about Florida, and I'll have to find out which exactly this group is on Facebook. It's not SEC Shorts, but it's called like a Southern thing. Or it's this guy, he does a couple different Southern things. He talks football, but he always does an SEC roll call. And so he's going around the the SEC this week and he went, All right, so let's talk to our non conference guys. Bama, how'd you do? It's like, Oh, we beat him by 57. You know, he's like, Oh, man, that's rough. And he's like, Florida, how'd you do? Like, I mean, you know, we won. And he's like, you know, <laughs> he's like, Sanford's not a bad team. He's like, oh, Stanford. I didn't know we were playing a Pac 12 team this week. And he, was like, no, no, and he was like, no, no, Sanford. He's like, what?
1: <laughs> Who? Oh, oh, FCS. All right. Yeah. yeah. yeah Good, no stuff.
0: Good stuff. Good uh, stuff, Dan Mullen. You may need to get your moving boxes ready uh and and get on out you know and our, our good buddy who we mentioned a good bit on here Patrick Nye you know he was texting us that Saturday during the Sanford game being like guys is Florida not this good is Florida just really bad and I kept telling myself well they're just not focused new defensive coordinator they know it's over you know it's you know it's just out off the rails in Gainesville and then we came out and looked like we did and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too too far Um, because we'll talk plenty about it when it's our time to talk about Carolina's game this week. But Thomas, um, obviously again, college football, uh, playoff rankings have come out top four, not a whole lot of change. And really there wasn't anything to really dictate a big change at the
1: top. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, really, the the one thing that jumped out to me, you're right, there, there weren't a whole lot of changes um, up top. You, you had some some shuffling down below. Oklahoma State finally, rightfully so, nudged their way into the top 10. But one of the things, or, or, or a couple of things that jump, jumped out to me here as far as the top four goes. So Oregon travels to number 23 Utah this week. This is a potential preview of the Pac-12 championship game. Yep. And if Oregon loses that that game, that might be the only chance for Cincinnati to break the top four. So if I'm a Bearcat fan, I am a big Utes fan this weekend. Big
0: Utes fan. Pulling for the Utes. Um, not to be confused with the Utes from um, my cousin Vinny. Um, but uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, got to be pulling for them. To, you know, that's true. You're very right. But, you know, it's interesting. Not only would that obviously knock Oregon out, but that, that's got to hurt Ohio State. You know, like, I mean, your, your, your one loss right now is a very high quality loss, but you know, they lose. And then, you know, you look rough against Michigan state, squeak it in Michigan, you know, you could get left out. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting scenario there. So you gotta, (laughs) as much as the Utes are being pulled for in Cincinnati over in uh, Columbus, they need to be pulling uh, for the ducks real hard.
1: Yeah, and, and you mentioned a great point there when you said uh, about Ohio State's one loss right now to what looks like to be a quality loss right now, and the committee, at least thus far in these first three weeks, have seen, seemed to be placing a lot of emphasis on quality of wins and losses, yes. and they're looking at those strengths of schedule. So, I mean, that that's a perfect segue also because you look at Ohio State, so Michigan had a you know, a quality win last week over Penn State. I mean, it wasn't great, but they handled that game as they should have. At Maryland this week, they'll handle that. But then they finish out the regular season at home against Ohio State. So either Ohio State's going to finish the regular season with two losses or Michigan's going to have two losses. So right. that could kick Ohio state out. There's no way they're going to sit in with two losses. So I think there's going to be chaos here in the next couple of weeks.
0: It's, it's coming. The big, the big 10 is going to kind of cannibalize itself and it could really make some, some changes to the top four. Uh, so, all right, we're going to jump into it. Um, For anybody new to the show, we're going to start off talking about the Clemson game. They will play in Wake at home. Uh, Carolina will play Auburn at home. And then we're going to talk about the game of the week, which is uh, Mel Tucker, who we already mentioned. uh, His Michigan State Spartans going to Columbus to play the, the Ohio State Buckeyes. So Wake at Clemson. Wake Forest, you know, they had a, a letdown two weeks ago um, against North Carolina. Did, they, did Wake have a bye this week? Did I imagine that? Um, I don't remember. Okay. I think, right. they have. I mean, they play in the ACC. It's almost a bye every week, right? Hey, Hello. there you go. Hey-o. Hey, oh, there it is. Set up my own joke without meaning to. Anyway, <laughs> Wake's offense, very interesting offense. Um, essentially, love it. I, I love it too. It's essentially a wing T esque look but out of pistol and out of shotgun. And what they are known the most for is the very long hold the ball in the running back's belly to read what the defense is doing in a way. It's very midline veer esque, where they are going to ride, 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 ride. And it's just the the quarterback's looking at different guys. He could be looking at a defensive tackle. He could be looking at a defensive end. Could be looking at a linebacker decide if that linebacker comes sucking up, he's going to throw the RPO behind him. So it's very option-esque, but instead of having a a traditional pitch man in the option, like you would on midline option or veer, it's it's that RPO piece. It's, it's instead of just, you know, throwing that little flip out there. Like you remember in the old Nebraska days, old school football, all that stuff he's riding and he's reading, but he's also considering throwing the ball. And so it's very, very interesting there. Sam uh, Hartman is their quarterback having a great year, 30 touchdowns to eight interceptions, having a great, great season. I feel like the guy is not getting the hype he deserves quite honestly, um, and he's just really strong. Christian Bale Smith, Justice Ellison, and Christian Turner are the three backs that get the most touches. Um, you know, they like I said, they will play a pistol type set where you have the quarterback in a shortened shotgun. That's where the pistol name comes from, with a back behind him, and they will even offset a fullback or blocking back, or in some cases, another tailback type player to the left or the right of the quarterback. And again, very veer esque in the fact that they are going to stick the ball in a player's gut. And he is going to read, 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 read pull. And he may run it pull and he may throw it. And he does occasionally pitch it. So it's just that it's very interesting. Very, very hard to stop. Very hard to stop. It is assignment football you cannot freelance against wake NC UNC when they beat them, did a great, great job of playing good, good assignment, defensive football. So when we talk about wakes plan, it's get Clemson out of position, make them declare, make them declare what they're doing on defense and then stick to it. Thomas, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to step on you a little bit here. You and I have talked because we talk about Clemson each week, Brent, Venables is known to love to blitz he's got to not send a lot of extra dudes this week because he's going to get his defense exposed tell us about Clemson's defense Thomas and what they need to do to stop this very unique Wake Forest offense.
1: Yeah, and I want to point out, too, um, it's been a long time since I've been as excited for a noon ACC game, but this is definitely going to be my primary noon game. Wake hasn't won in Death Valley since 1998, and when you look at this matchup this year, you've got the number one scoring offense in the ACC in Wake Forest versus the number one scoring defense in the ACC in Clemson. So I think it's going to be a slugfest. But as you were talking about that that very unique RPO delayed mesh offense that Wake runs, you and I have been texting back and forth a lot about it. Love it. Ruggiero, the offensive coordinator, love his system there. I feel like he's been with Dave Kloss and the head coach at Wake for 30 years now. But it's it's really, really interesting how they run it, and it's crazy, and everybody's talking about it. And I think that Sam Hartman also is, is – you're right, doesn't get enough credit for this because I think this is a very difficult offense to execute. And I think that could serve Sam Hartman well. I'm not saying he's going to be a pro bowler in the league, but he's a very heady quarterback to run this offense and runs it very well. One of the things that I think Clemson needs to look out for that I've seen as I watch this offense is what I'm calling the butt block. Literally a butt block by Sam Hartman. So what he does on those read plays where they're really slow and they're slow to develop and he's watching and reading keys like that. If he feels backside blitz pressure coming, he will literally hand it off to the running back, turn his back to that blitzer and he's essentially another blocker in the backfield. So, and that, that can slow down that backside blitz pressure for that millisecond that that running back needs to hit the hole. So Clemson's got to be looking out for that. You made a great point also segueing into this, that Clemson cannot blitz the hell out of this offense wake also has a good enough offensive line to slow down the blitz just long enough for hartman to pull it and torch you over the top so you got to rely on your front four to get pressure which brings me to a great point here venables what is you doing baby you <laughs> don't have the the front four that you've had the last few years hell you don't have the front four you started this season with you nope. you can't keep Game planning and play calling like you have that dominant front four. He's not – honestly, I think he's not calling the defense to, to the strengths right now. They're a little banged up. They're, they're, you know, second, third string some spots. So he's got to start taking that into account. But it's really about disciplined football here because it's, uh, Hartman and, and company execute it so well. Um, I want to back my linebackers up a step or two, let them see that play develop in the backfield because that's what Hartman's reading there. And this, and it just, you've got to be very patient and play patient football. Other than that, outside of the front, the front six or seven, I'm running quarters coverage on the back end, but I want to make absolutely certain that my DBs are having good eye awareness, staying in their zones and not crashing inside because that delayed RPO gives those wide receivers extra time for the digs and the comeback routes so really across the board it's just about playing safe sound disciplined football and just being smart about things
0: i agree with you so just to backtrack a second because we asked the question or i asked the question did wake have a bye no they did not they played a ranked nc state team and it was a 45 42 game it was a ball game i watched it uh i think i was texting you during it about wake's offense so yeah i feel bad that i didn't immediately remember that so my bad Wake, my bad NC State. No uh, No disrespect to either. It was a heck of a ball game.
1: We, we got a lot to keep
0: up with here. It's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. And I agree with you 100% with backing your linebackers up a step. As a matter of fact, when I was coaching high school ball, when we would play a team, or when I was coaching JV, and particularly with the younger guys, we would play a team that was running the option or running something like this. We backed them up. We wanted them to have an extra step back. The other issue you have to get worried about, you mentioned it with good eye discipline in that secondary. You're trying to, you get your eyes all over. Okay, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? Uh Uh-oh, where did my guy go? He's way behind me. You know, easy touchdown pass, which Wake has hit people on a lot. So it really is assignment football. I agree with you 100% in playing that quarter's cover four four men deep. And keeping everything in front of you, because really, if Clemson plays to Clemson's capability, their secondary isn't great. But when we talk about raw athletic ability, pure speed, pure change of direction, pure athleticism, they've probably got an edge on Wake Forest and and their wide receivers. So... You, you know, I'm sitting back and pouncing on routes instead of trying to man cover, especially when you blitz, guess what you do? You put your DBs on islands. Yeah. And if they got to turn and run with a guy and they run something behind them, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting bled to death uh, up front, which, you know, Gamecock fans have seen millions of times in the past, not so much this year, um, but have seen where we just get nickeled and dimed down the field or if you start changing back and you get your eyes in the backfield, all of a sudden they're behind you. So switching to Clemson's offense, Thomas, I I, I know if anybody who listens to this, who's a Clemson fan um, has got to think I'm just beating a dead horse with Clemson's offense, but man, <laughs> they, they are dead on arrival right now. Like they are dead on arrival. There is no energy. There is no continuity. There is no, Creativity by any means. Um, their offensive line is also banged up like their defensive line, like you mentioned about their defensive line. They're having some difficulty up front blocking. Um, you know, special teams, not that we usually cover special teams explicitly on the show, uh, really let him down against UConn that opening kickoff for a touchdown. And the guy muffed it. And it, it took him a, like, you know, solid 30 seconds to pick the ball up and figure his life out, and he scored a touchdown. So <laughs> You know, anyway, what Cle- Thomas? You know, I'm going to say it wrong, so I'm not even going to try. Clemson's backup quarterback,
1: Pumachan.
0: Pumachan. Here's why, and I'm not. This is not hate on on, on DJ in per se. Pumachan brings an athletic element to the to the offense that they don't have right now. Um, I mean, I, DJ can run, but he's not that type of runner. And with the staleness, with the Gosh, just lack of big playability right now on Clemson's offense. I'd be using him, you know, not to be Steve Spurrier. But do you remember it was one year. Can't remember what game it is. He ran the play in with the quarterback. He switched quarterbacks. It was one game. Maybe playing Michigan. Uh, Mississippi State at home, maybe or something like that. But it was two quarterbacks running back and forth, going in and out. playing that you know he would like in the old days when you'd whisper the the play in the wide receiver or running back uh, ear and he'd go to the huddle. Now he was, but he was doing that with quarterbacks. You almost got to try something like that because I know he is not the passer that DJ is, but at the same time, what he brings as an offense uh, as a running threat is is worth it in the in my in my uh, account in the long run. Here's the thing Clemson's offense take shots. Take shots. You're going to have to, and in order to do that, you've got to get in second and manageable, in my opinion. So we've talked all the time about saying on schedule, you need to get ahead of schedule. Second and two, second and three, play action pass, take a shot downfield. But you need to be in that comfortable down and distance. So if you don't hit it, third and two, third and three is very easily done. That's my biggest thing. Take shots downfield I again think overall pure athleticism you've got more speed and pure athleticism on the field than uh, uh, Wake does you've got to find a way to expose that and the best way is to take shots play fast get your best athletes on the field Clemson or excuse me wakes defense Thomas how are they going to
1: counteract that all right, here's here's uh, one problem with your analysis. Um, and to be fair, I haven't seen the updated one through the week, but Pumachan got a little banged up last week. Oh, I don't think I saw that. So now depth chart-wise, it's still got DJ Pumachan, but if <laughs> – if Pumachan can't go as number two, they've got a freshman in Hunter Helms at three. So nope. you know, honestly, they they probably just need to hope that DJ can stay healthy. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's the go.
0: case. Hunter Helms, by the way, I believe, went to Gray Collegiate here in the Midlands area, um,
1: right out of outside of Lexington. Well done. That's a deep pull, sir. Nicely done. Um, all right, so so uh, I'm also upset at myself that I didn't that I didn't remember that Wake played NC State last week, and I should have known that if I had looked further down my notes here. Because I was thinking about it earlier. Is Wake Wake's had trouble stopping the run, and the five games prior to that NC State game last week, they've given up just shy of like 300 rushing yards a game. That is not good. That is South Carolina run defense bad, bad right there. Right. So, but. Last week, don't know if they figured something out, whatever. They held NC State to 74 rush yards. So maybe they've righted the ship there. I don't know. But they've got a solid secondary. You're going to see a lot of man and zone coverages. In zone against this Clemson offense, I'm going to sit and cover three. I don't want to get beat. You mentioned Clemson needs to take shots. I agree with you. Um, three Cover three on the back end, don't want to get beat. I'm confident in my secondary to break on the ball. In man coverage, when I am running man coverage, looks more for that banjo coverage we've talked about weeks ago, which is kind of like a pick-and-roll switch in basketball. It is a, uh, you know, it's 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 man coverage that looks like zone coverage. Yep. But finally, I, I feel pretty good about my run defense in the middle, and Clemson's had some success when they've gotten their running game going up the middle there. Uh, Wake's a little vulnerable on the edges, so I want my defensive ends to set and maintain those edges, but really just about plugging up that middle and making Clemson beat you deep and making them drive. But I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I'm honestly hoping it is.
0: I I think it's going to be a good game. I do. Um, Now, in order for it to be, I think Clemson uh, is going to have to bring their offense, and it's going to have to play better than it has been playing. Um, And, you know, again, even against UConn, when we talk about a bad football team, they ain't looked great. They just haven't. And, and, you know, they won comfortably. It was not a huge thing. But at the same time, it was it was ugly at times. So, Thomas, what or who, I should say, do you got in this game? We're both
1: looking for a good game, noon or kickoff. Well, who you got? I think I got to go with Clemson here. I think if, uh, Clemson's been playing better of late, and this has at home, in Death Valley, it is at noon, but I think I think Clinton's gonna pull another squeaker out.
0: You know, I understand your thought process there. It's at it's at Memorial Stadium. They're gonna fire up those buses and run them down the hill, all that good stuff that gets all those guys up there going so excited. Um, but I can't wait to talk next week about all the nonsense I've seen on Twitter about how Williams Bryce is basically just like a scene out of Mad Max and they think it's going to be just even worse now that they sell alcohol. Like I've got so many great things that happen to me at Memorial stadium as a Gamecock fan that I haven't been back to in 15 years because of it that like, I can't wait. I'm just excited. Um, I, I got to give Clemson the edge at home, but small, I would not be shocked if Wake comes out on top here. I really wouldn't yeah. be Clemson's not ranked. Wake is the ranked team here. They're, you know, they're yeah. the town, they're undefeated. I their defense, Wake's defense is not phenomenal. Um, so it's all gonna be a matter of can they keep up with Clemson and can they get a turnover or two? Um yeah. I think that's gonna be key. Um, but I do I will give Clemson the nod here. All right. Moving into the game here in Columbia, South Carolina, this weekend at 7 p.m. kickoff. Auburn and former offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, the snake himself, will be slithering back to williams Bryce Stadium to uh, come here. Uh, so uh, Auburn's our road team will start off with their offensive package and their plan. First of all, biggest news of this game, biggest news of this game, Bo Nix is out. Bo Nix is out for the year, has a broken ankle. Um, You know, for whatever reason, I like Bo Nix. I think he's just got like a scrappy personality and I just kind of like the gamer. Yeah, I just like that scrappiness. So I hate it for him. And Gamecock fans, before you get super excited and go, oh, great, we had to play the backup. Last time we played this guy, he was at LSU and (laughs) he had a career day. On his uh, first
1: start. Oh, first start, oh,
0: yeah. career day. So don't count those chickens uh, before those eggs have hatched quite yet. But here's the thing. Bobo's offense, former Gamecock offense coordinator last year, he's going to play a pro style of game. He's going to want to get the ball to tank's, Tank Bigsby. You know, this is the offensive coordinator that, you know, under a healthy Kevin Harris with largely the same offensive line, um, led the SEC in rushing last year. And we've seen the results that we've seen right now. Mike Bobo is obviously a talented offensive coordinator. There's no no denying that. So the biggest thing, he's going to run power. He's going to run counter. He's going to run toss. He loves a good toss. It's more of like a pin and pull, but it looks very similar to old school sweep to me. But um, you're going to see a good bit of that. And then I would imagine play action pass off that. Um, because they they want to keep T, uh, Tj finley out of um, out of too many tough spots there. Um, so you're going to see now, we've talked a lot about last season, um, the offense that Bobo ran and it is very complex. I'm sure he's going to you know mostly trim it down a little bit to the success of what, uh, TJ can do. Um, he's a different player than Bo, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do there. I expect a heavy dose of running the ball, especially after Carolina, for really, in my opinion, we had some rough spots, Tennessee in particular, but really, in the first time this year, we looked outmatched in the run game on defense. And Thomas, I'm sure you've got a lot to say about that, but um, so I'm going to let you talk Carolina D, but I'd imagine we're going to see a lot
1: of tank t- on Saturday. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, looking <coughs> looking at their game last week against, which was a really crazy, wacky game against Mississippi State, yes, where you saw that yes that that Mike Leach air raid offense just put on a clinic out there. Um, but well, not in the half, in the second half, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you said it just right. Last week, the inside zone read was Auburn's most successful running play. You don't have to worry. Really about Finley as a runner, as you do Bo Nix. So he's a little bit more one-dimensional. He's big, tall, more of a pocket passer guy. He can move a little bit, but he's not a Bo Nix kind of guy. So yeah, you're right. First priority is slowing down Bigsby. The first three games of the year, Bigsby went for hundred plus rushing yards. Otherwise, he's been held under 100 yards in every game except for Ole Miss a few weeks ago. Last week against Miss State, he only had 41 rushing yards at 2.6 a carry. He did get in the end zone for two touchdowns. But my point is, Bigsby, as fantastic of a running back as I think he is, has not really been himself of late. I don't know if teams have just been keying on him or what. But to that end, I'm bringing inside pressure. Uh, I'm going to hit with some a gap blitzes right off the center over those guards. I want my defensive ends to set and maintain the edges to contain Bigsby because he likes to bounce outside when he doesn't get what he wants on the inside. Also linebackers got to keep their eyes on Bigsby. Mike Leach said last week after the game point blank said Bigsby essentially paraphrasing here, had a bad habit of stutter stepping a lot. And if you watch that, I never I never noticed that until he said that. And that stutter step gives defenders that extra millisecond to close on the ball carrier. So linebackers got to play well, got to have eyes in the backfield. Finally, again, stopping the run, I'm rolling safeties down in the box for run support and the intermediate passes. Finley didn't really burn us over the top a lot last year. It was a lot of those short to intermediate passes, and we know that Bobo likes those high-percentage passes. In fact, I think I saw a stat earlier this week that something like just over 70% of Auburn's passes this year have been within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Now, granted, that is partly because their offensive line has been a bit of a mixed bag here, Mm -hmm. but it's really, again, I think the theme this week is disciplined football and trying to just play smart, heavy football.
0: I agree. And in our offense, or our defense against Missouri,
1: you know, I have some
0: questions about the last series and and particularly with the backup in when, when they got injured and we knew they were going to try and bleed the clock and run. Didn't understand why we didn't commit to the run a little bit more there. Uh, Clayton white kind of mentioned that in his presser today. Um, Maybe they made some, some tough calls there, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, Our secondary, I, by the way, before I say this, Cam Smith is having a heck of a ball of a season. Like that, that kid, when he's in the game and he's not doing something silly because he's a little bit emotional, he's a really good football player and somebody we yeah. can build a secondary around. But we still, if I, as a Gamecock fan, if I'm a Gamecock, if I'm uh, our defensive staff, got to find speed. Got to find speed in that secondary and fast um, over the next recruiting cycle, and right now, obviously. So anyway, not to not to hit, you know, not hating on any of those guys. They've had really really good games. Tougher tougher outing um, uh, against Missouri. So Carolina's offense this week. I don't know, Thomas. You you're going to have to just rein me in here. I I, I know. I'm going to put a timer on you here. I don't understand what we were trying to accomplish on offense against Missouri and here's the thing I really don't get Marcus Satterfield seems to never build on success and what I mean by that is let's say you're killing somebody with a counter to the right which was the dominant side we ran the counter to which Missouri knew and they slanted to it all night long and their backside defensive player lineman players were on the back hip of our pulling linemen waiting to make the play because they had no fear of us coming back left they knew what we were doing like they knew it and it's just unbelievable that at the college level we were letting that happen but you you you, I, i mentioned it before the game i said we would run the ball To the tight ends motion when he motioned to one way, that's where we went or that to the strength. We particularly like to run the counter to the right with our left guard and tackle pulling and kicking out the defensive end on the right side and digging out the linebacker, the the Sam side linebacker. That's great, but you can't do it every time. You can't do it every time. It's kind of like baseball. You know, other than like Randy Johnson, who just threw ungodly fast. If all you have is a fastball, they're going to hit you. And and, in football, if all you do is run to the right side on counter, guess what's going to happen? They don't care about the counter step. They don't care about anything. They are telling their defenders they're going to run counter right. If you see a pulling lineman on the left side of the line of scrimmage, follow him to the ball. We ain't worried about containing that much. We ain't mm-hmm. worried about sitting, about them coming back and burning us because we never showed anybody that we were going to try and do it. Not once. I would have even loved to have seen the success we had early with Josh Van in previous games, fake that counter, turn and flip it to him on a reverse.
1: Yeah, on that little jet sweep it's kind of deal. Little jet
0: sweep deal. And we have him go behind the quarterback on an orbit type move. There was no progression None. And I just don't understand it. Also, it was very apparent in the Florida game that Jason Brown was not heavily involved in in making calls at the line when it came to protection, you know, and it it was like they didn't feel like he was ready for it, which he may not have been, which he isn't because he's played spread football his whole life that has had nothing to do with calling a, a pass pro and then it was like all of a sudden with Missouri, they're like, okay, he's been the starter for a week. He can handle the full, full gambit. And no, he can't.
1: No, Leave it to Eric Douglas. Let right. Eric Douglas.
0: Do Just it. let Eric do it. And it was furious infuriating to watch that our offensive line. Coach Atkins, our technique is pathetic. There is no other word for it but pathetic. I've watched left and right tackles at Division I college football in the SEC duck their head. And get their shoulders and their weight into the chest of the defensive lineman. Thomas, if you're worth your weight in salt as a defensive lineman, and and an offensive lineman does that in pass pro, you're swimming him all day long and he's getting destroyed.
1: I'm throwing his face into the dirt. Yeah,
0: Yeah, even more so. If he's got his head tilted, you're throwing him in the dirt. It's ridiculous. That is a high school mistake. Point blank, period. That is a high school mistake. It is hard to pass pro in a cup protection with that pro style kick. It's why guys who can do it at six foot seven, 300 something pounds make millions and millions of dollars. I I said this on a message board this week. Doing that is kind of like a golf swing. Even the pros, Tiger Woods, Roy McElroy, all of them, Jordan Spieth, they're constantly working on their swing. You know why? Because the slightest thing of your golf swing gets off and everything goes to crap. You and I know that as two pathetic golfers. Uh, I don't mean to lump you in with me, but that's who we are. Um, so it's a, not a natural thing. It's not a pure talent thing. Nobody comes out of the womb and is a great pass protector, pass block protector. It's just you're not. You have to work at it constantly. And I can't believe I'm watching our, our tackles make high school lineman mistakes. So I never am going to understand that. Here's what I'm going to say, and because I, I, I could rant for hours. Go back now, now, Coach Satterfield, if you're listening, don't do it the exact same way because that's what you did against Missouri and got us destroyed. Um, by the way, you owe Marshawn Lloyd an apology for running it that way because he got owned. He got hit in the mouth as soon as he got the ball. Now, granted, the left tackle could have stepped down and put an actual hand on that defensive end, which, by the way, that defensive end is from Irmo, South Carolina, and wanted to come to South Carolina, and Coach Will Muschamp and staff passed on him. He looked pretty highly motivated against us uh, this past Saturday. You've got – to get in the shotgun with Jason and let him look at the linebackers and look at the secondary. On the Manning cast on Monday Night Football, if you're a football fan listening right now and you want to learn the game, listen to Peyton and Eli talk about it. Those guys know football like I just can't even describe it, particularly playing the quarterback position. Peyton talked about in the NFL, he looked from line to linebackers to secondary. Take the line out of it for Jason Brown. Yeah. out of it. He don't need to be involved. He don't need to be involved. Perry Orth said on this show in the first season that when he was playing for Coach Spurrier, other than calling the protection, he had nothing to do with offensive protection. He didn't even really know sometimes what was happening with the offensive line. He talked about how that made him nervous at times. You just had to trust your line. Take it all off. Take it all off him. Get him in the gun and let him worry about Two things, where the linebackers are, if there's a hot linebacker, if someone's showing blitz, and where the safeties are. Are there two safeties deep or are there one safety deep? And what does that tell me? That's it. That's it. Do that. Count on the fact that you're going to get blitzed like it's no tomorrow. Count on the fact that defensive ends are going to come rushing up the field and you're going to have eight men in the box, nine men in the box. Count on it. It's going to happen. Be ready for it. Inside draw inside wide receiver, or you can do it as a wide receiver or running back or tight end screen. Although we block the screen so poorly, a lot of times <laughs> you got to get prepared. He, you know, it kind of bothered me today. He said during his press conference, he being Mark Satterfield, that Missouri did something different. They did, they, they played the run differently than they've been playing it. And he said that like, you know, that was the problem. You're the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Come on like that. That's what you're paid to figure out. No kidding, buddy, that you mean they did something different than they showed on film. That's why they have GAs and defensive analysis guys who are looking at all of that to take it differently. Goodness gracious. That was an indictment that I can't believe came out of his own mouth. Get simple. Get in the gun. Get playmakers on the field take Jason Brown out of the offensive line protections, please. And I won't even, I'll stop. Please stop trying to run cut protection, slide pro run, slide pro Thomas. It is so simple. Five dudes as offensive linemen. They, if you call slide, right, which in Steve Spurrier's offense was Ringo, everybody takes a step to their right, whatever gap is to your right. That's your gap. And as my coach used to say, I don't care if God himself comes through your gap, your job's to block him. It's that simple. (laughs) It's that simple. And you can go slide left. You go six man and you have a back or a tight end on the backside. So if we go slide left or Larry and on a six man, the back or the tight end is going to block. He's got a solo first guy coming off the edge on the right side, whoever it is, you you block him. That's that simple. And I just don't understand. We used it. We used it for about three or four plays in the third, fourth quarter. And we had success. Jason had time to throw. And then we just stopped. (laughs) just stopped i i I was like what's happened i I literally said out loud watching the game all right finally slide protection look at the time he has good job good adjustment and it just stopped
1: yeah yeah it's 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 a grab bag i honestly think he's just grasping at straws
0: grasping at straws it's it's frustrating all right auburn's defense other than stacking the box what are they going to do to stop this gamecock mess of an offense
1: (laughs) It'll be interesting because uh, if if you if you read any any Auburn message boards or Twitter or anything like that, Auburn fans are livid with defensive coordinator Derek Mason. Gamecock fans probably remember Derek Mason, head coach at uh, Vanderbilt, was at DC at Stanford before that. But Mason last week in that Mississippi State game, soft cushions, bend don't break, three man rush, didn't bring any pressure until late in the game. And But so Auburn had eight in coverage, and Will Rogers still smoked them. In the final three quarters last week, Will Rogers was 34 of 37 for 357 and six touchdowns. Good lord. Good lord. Now, I say all that as more entertainment value because that was a lot of fun to watch because – that the offense is wildly different from the South Carolina offense. Correct. And you're spot on. They use the same game plan that Missouri used. Stack the box and crash the defensive ends inside. Bring cornerback blitzes off the edges. Don't rely on that three-man rush that you sat in last week. Move the blitzes around. You got to confuse those protection screens, schemes, excuse me. Bring a gap blitzes. Just blitz, 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 bring pressure all day. Um you know, and then on the on the outside, press man coverage. Don't give up that easy dink and dunk, not that I think the Satterfield is going to call it or we're going to be able to execute it, but make the wide receivers work for separation. You know, and and finally, if if you want to, sure, put bracket coverage on Josh Van. He's the only wide receiver that's going to get the ball thrown to him, the only wide receiver that's going to catch the ball anyway. Mm-hmm. But just make the wide receivers work for it to get separation, which is going to, Give time for pressure, which you don't need much time to get pressure on him. It's uh, this is a, a very, very simple offense to game plan against defensively.
0: And, and again, here's a creative thought for you, Coach Shatterfield, if you're listening. Since you refuse to use your best blocker on offense, uh, Bell, as a blocker, go ahead and put him in the slot. Let him run that slot. Yep. Get that size mismatch. He may not be faster than the guy on him, but he's bigger. He's yeah. Bigger. Let him let him box him out and throw him a ball. Just a, Just a thought. Just a thought. All right, Thomas. So with all of that nonsense being said, I think we both know who we are saying we got here. And it's it's Auburn, uh, in yeah. my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's Auburn. It's Auburn. Let's just let's just I'm ready to to put this Gamecock season to bed. Auburn's gonna have it. Clemson's gonna have it next week. We're done.
0: I think I think and Auburn, you know, right now the spread's down
1: to seven point five because of Bo being hurt. I think they cover that yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And they probably had the over two. I think the under over is like 44 and a half. Yeah, they, they, yeah, absolutely. All
0: right. Game of the week Michigan State versus the Ohio State University. Michigan State Spartans uh, coming in. Uh, I, you know, very simple. We've, we've covered them before during their great matchup with Michigan. Um, I'm hoping for another big game here um, between Michigan State and Ohio State. Just a, a great matchup. Give your running back, Kenneth Walker the third the ball. Get him the ball. Get him the ball in as many creative ways as you can. Don't put your quarterback in positions where he's got to make huge plays. He's he's a good quarterback. He's serviceable. But lean on the dude whos your who's got you here. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. That's what really hurt him in the, in the Purdue game, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Try your very best not to let that happen. Use play-action pass. When you have a running back like Walker – Those linebackers, if he starts eating them up, that play action pass, particularly when you turn your back to the defense, that's a scary thing as a quarterback to do, turn your back to the defense and fake the handoff is really going to suck them up and make your job as quarterback easier to hit that middle, second, third, so that middle between the linebacker and and safeties area there because those linebackers are going to come scooting up, give you extra space to make those plays. I'm hitting ends, I'm hitting slants, I'm running mesh, I'm, I'm attacking the middle because they're going to start stepping up off of play action. What's your plan, Thomas, as the Ohio State University's
1: defense? You're uh, you're right. Your first priority has got to be containing KW3. Um, but I'm going to, if you'll indulge me a minute here, I'm going to get a, a little down the rabbit hole with some X's and O's here because like it. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of – today's Ohio State defense compared to the first couple weeks of the season yep. it's it's evolved a lot this year particularly since uh previous defensive coordinator Coombs I think Kerry Coombs his name right. is um right. he was demoted from defensive yes. play calling duties right. um so they've they've evolved a little bit currently their base defense is essentially a 4 but they do some unique things with it. In addition to, to, the, to the Mike or the middle linebacker and the Will linebacker or the weak side linebacker, they like to roll a safety down in the box and line him up at a Sam or a strong side linebacker. Behind them, you got your two cornerbacks and your two safeties. But with this base, uh, I want to attack Michigan State the same way that I attacked Penn State, particularly with what I'm going to talk about today, which is a hot blitz package. Ooh. This this particular hot blitz package, the way that Ohio State runs it now, forced that this this same exact personnel and exact defensive play call forced three turnovers by Penn State a few weeks ago. So th- this is how this is going to work, and and look. Look for Ohio State running this because this can stifle that running game. And here's how it's going to work. So in that base defense I talked about earlier, at the snap, the Mike and the Sam linebackers are going to crash inside. So they're blitzing through the B and C gaps on the wide side or what we like to call the field side Mm -hmm. of the formation. Mm -hmm. Behind the blitz, you've got five guys in zone coverage. But what makes this a little bit unique is they're not just going to be standing there waiting on somebody to come into their zone. They're running a hot coverage, which complements that six-man rush up front. The easy way to think about this is like a 2-3 zone defense in basketball. If you yeah. watch those, you know, as the ball swings around the court, the, uh, the, the defenders keep their eyes on it and they slide or move their zone accordingly. Here... In the same concept, the defenders are going to read the quarterback's eyes, and as he scans the field, the defenders are going to shuffle in that direction. But this is called a hot coverage because the six-pass rushers are putting heat on the quarterback, and hopefully they want to force him to dump it off to his hot receiver underneath or that hot route, his check down, his safety valve, if you will. If you uh, A really good example of this um, and and how Ohio State has had such, such success with it of late is Look at Clemson's defense against Ohio State's offense the past two playoffs. Venables runs ran a ton of hot coverages behind blitzes to try to create pressure on Justin Fields. And a, a side note here, Venables, the way he calls it, he even names it ap- names them after basketball teams like that, 2-3 zones. He's got Spurs, Clippers, Bucks, different sort of hot blitzes like that. But... Finally, a lot of defenses save these, these hots for third long and other surefire passing downs. But Ohio State's been using it a lot on first and second down, which negates that running game. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of this this weekend to try to negate that running game in Kendall Walker the third. I
0: love that. Uh, that's a great deep dive in the X and O's, the hot, the hot blitz. And you're exactly right. It, it's it's kind of like Carolina plays their secondary zone coverages like Alabama does a lot where they they play instead of a, a landmark zone where you, if it's cover four, I'm dropping X amount of yards to my landmark, no matter what it's I'm dropping as far as the deepest man drops in my area. So very much that two, three, you know, mindset in, 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 um, in basketball, you're exactly right, where you shift the ball and you, your eyes go with it. I, I think that's a great way. So speaking of Ohio State's uh, offense now, um, you know, Urban Meyer, this is essentially a version of his his offensive scheme. Ryan Day worked with him before, you know, Coach Meyer went on to Jacksonville. Um, Urban Meyer, I've heard him talk about this a bunch of times, heard Tim Tebow talk about this. The way he ran offense was the first checkup for quarterback. Are, are there two high safeties or are there one? If there's two high safeties, we're running the ball. If there's one high safety, we're going to throw the ball. That's going to be our first look. And, you know, I think Ryan Day uses a very similar approach. And, you know, again, it's about keeping the game simple and letting your athletes run and be athletes. Um, CJ Stroud has really found his stride. You talked about how the Ohio State defense has improved a lot CJ Stroud has has improved a lot at quarterback. Um, he struggled early against Oregon, had some trouble, and he's found his footing. He's found his way. And I mean, I think he's even getting looks at, um, at uh, you know, talking about Heisman stuff. So, um, you know, that's, that's a, a big turnaround because he was benched at one point, I believe. And, and so it's, it's, it's been an up and downer for him, but he's found his way. I think one of the things Ohio State's got to do, and they've done a decent job of it, but, but everybody knows it's who you're looking for Chris Olave. Chris Olave is one of the best talents at wide receiver in the country. And so basically, what every defense that Ohio State has faced this year has done is said, we're taking away Chris Olave. Still, even with that being said, he's, I believe, second or third on the team in receptions. So their leading receiver is Jackson Smith. No chance I say that next part right. Um, Ah, not even gonna try, not even gonna try. Jackson Smith Smith Inba, Ingba, Ingba. Yeah. Okay, all right, I'm gonna go with what you said. <laughs> um, is is sophomore this Jackson? We'll call him Jackson, good old buddy Jackson. Uh, action Jackson, he is, uh, I believe, a sophomore and is leading the team in receptions right now, doing a really good job there. Trayvon uh, Henderson's their leading rusher and just a great player, big play threat he he's got a lot of 50 60 plus yard runs this season Michigan State's got to try and stop that they've got to try and stop those big runs Thomas speaking of which what's Michigan State going to do on defense um
1: hope and pray for a miracle (laughs) I think I mean this is uh, Michigan State is is dead last in FBS and passing yards allowed Ohio State is the nation's sixth best passing attack and number one total and scoring offense in the country. Like, I mean, they're smoking people right now. Their offense is really clicking, and so defensively, Michigan for Michigan State is kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, if you if you loosen coverage and play two deep safeties. Ohio state is going to crush you with that running game. If you clamp down and, and roll a safety down in the box, their wide receivers are going to easily exploit the one-on-one matchups. Mm-hmm. So when you look at a game like this, trying to game plan for it, when a team has so many options to hurt you like Ohio state does, I think at this point, it's, it's really about prioritizing what you want to try and negate as a defense. So, I guess, pick your poison here. I'm going to want to stop that run game first. I'm going to use a lot of slants and stunts on the defensive line, give my linebackers the ability to play downhill and aggressively, run quarters coverage on the back end and try to keep everything in front of me, make Ohio State sustain some long drives. But it's almost just hilarious to say that because not a lot of people – have really been able to make Ohio State do that at least at at this back half of the season because they're just clicking so well. So it's easier said than done.
0: Yeah, they really are clicking very well now. Um, So with that being said... It's at the horseshoe. I've, I've, I've visited the uh, the stadium that is the horseshoe. Uh, shout out to my father in law Todd Ockberger for taking us up there. But uh, great, great one of those one of those uh, bucket list moments to get to say I saw a game at the horseshoe. Very cool place to play football. Watch it as a fan as well. I think the Buckeyes pull this one out, Thomas. What about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Vegas thinks so too. the the, the it opened up at Ohio State favored by 18 it's at 19 now with a over under 67 and a half ohio state is going to take this i think michigan state is going to give everything they got but they're just not going to be able to keep up with it i'm looking at like a 41 24 type of game
0: yeah i think michigan state's defense you mentioned it a lot there is is their weakness right now and i think it's gonna be too much for them to overcome against the buckeyes in columbus all right thomas as always it was awesome talking ball with you um, fans, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow at SAA Football Fan on Twitter and Instagram at SAA Football Fan on Twitter and Instagram, and on Facebook we are at the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast Facebook page. Check us out. Uh, We I, I usually tweet uh, a good bit from there during games and NFL games, any football opportunity. It's good stuff. Um, I also retweet a, a retweet a lot of guys who are talking football stuff. It's good stuff. All right, Bowen, uh, tell the folks to have a great weekend.
1: Yeah, buddy, you do the same. I'm looking forward to uh, some fantastic games. I'm going to be with the Brothers Bowen on our annual Mountain Weekend, so we're going to be enjoying some fantastic beers and watching some great football. Hope you are as well. Absolutely, man. That is fantastic. Enjoy that. Tell your brothers I said hello.
0: Um, We're going to talk about me being invited to that in the future as an honorary Bowen brother. (laughs) That'll be a conversation for a later date. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy football. Enjoy family. We'll talk to you soon.